to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokono hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basakala mashida bahaya mambro dos dagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before and he has put all things under his side under his side Matthew chapter 13 verse 1 On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying Behold a sower went out to sow And as he sowed some seed fell by the wayside But the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. and the thorns sprang up and choked them and others fell on good ground and yielded a group a good crop and yielded a crop some a hundredfold some 60 and some 30 let's jump over there to verse 18 the bible reads therefore hear the parable of the sower he begins to interpret it when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart this is he who received the seed by the wayside but when he who received the seed on stone but he who received the seed on stony places this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word immediately he stumbles now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful but he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60 and some 30 somebody say amen amen when you cast 
an observative eye on the scripture that we have just read, you begin to notice very intriguing observations. The first thing that you notice is there seems to be a battle against the word. That's the first thing you notice. There's a battle against the word. The battle is not even against the gadgets that you own. The battle is not even against the money that you have. The battle is not even against the houses or the cars that you have. But the battle is against the word. At every level, there's a battle against the word. You need to know that there is a battle against the word. This is why one of the most fought people sometimes are the people who are the most taught. Because there has to be a challenge. And as we go on, I will tell you why there seems to be a serious challenge against the word that you have been taught. We are going to be looking at... Uh, The Mastery of Warfare, part 8. And you can name this one uh, the three levels of spiritual warfare. The three levels of spiritual warfare. So this is now part 8. I'm hoping we can <laughs> close this one so that we can move on to the next level. But it's like the Lord wants to, uh, us to have a mastery of warfare. This is master's level. So, it appears there are three stages at which the word of God is fought or at which a human being is fought. And I told you that there is a fight against the word of God. This is why scriptures like the book of Colossians number 3 verse 16 tell us, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ, let that word dwell in you richly. Already by God telling us that his word must dwell in us richly, he's making for the possibility of the word of God dwelling in us poorly. There are people in whom the word of God dwells poorly. But he says let, and it's, he says let, that is a permissive word. That means it's really up to us to determine the amount of word that can dwell in us and the, and the wealth or the quality of the wealth, whether it's going to be poor, whether it's going to be mild. You know, there are, you know, there are middle-income countries, there are poor countries, there are countries which have just... Whatever. Okay? But even with regards to the word, it's the same thing. He says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And then he says, firstly, in all wisdom. That's what he's saying. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Then teaching, then admonishing one another. Why in all wisdom first? You need to understand something. <laughs> the, the, because wisdom is of priority. The Bible says, get wisdom and in all thy getting, get understanding. So he says, let the word of God dwell in you of Christ dwell in you richly. Then he says, in all wisdom. Because wisdom is of priority. Listen, 
The manifestation of an accurate belief system is not in the teaching thereof. It is in the wisdom of it. Let me explain this. A man is not wise by what he says. Primarily, a man is wise by how he lives. Our highest level of wisdom is determined by the manifestation of our lives and not what we say. Because when you study wisdom in itself, for example, in the book of Luke chapter 7, verse 35, he says, wisdom is justified by her children. Luke chapter 7, I believe, verse 35. Give me the amplified, the traditional amplified. It says, yet wisdom is vindicated, shown to be true and divine by all her children, by their life, character, and deeds. So that means wisdom is vindicated by her children. Wisdom has children. And then the children of wisdom take the shape of character, deeds, the things that they do, the things that they say. So a man is not absolutely wise by what he does, he says rather, but a man is perfectly wise by what he does. Because there are some people who say one thing, but their lives say the other thing. I told you about the story of a, of a cousin of mine whom I met in Kasama, we were at Kasama Girls and we were watching basketball. We talked about Tujirijili, that was the rise of the Tujirijili, if you remember very well. Those, that was a kind of alcohol, these were spirits. And we began discussing the alcoholic content and how it is beginning to increase our moral decadence and, you know, adolescent decadence and all these things that are happening in society, how people are spending money on all these things. And we, I thought I met a wise man. He told me some statistics I'd never heard before. But no sooner had we finished that discussion than he dipped into the back of his gin and pulled out a kajirijili and drank it without thinking twice. He gobbled it as if it was just a, a cord, a cord and, and, and watery sachet of, um, what do you call those? A, a cord and watery sachet of um, a frizzit that is being drunk on October 15th at 12 hours by a pregnant woman. <laughs> he just gobbled it down. Who was stricken by the cravings of the same. I sat there and I dropped my jaw. How is it possible? So there is a level of wisdom where you can speak things, but it is not complete unless her children called the lifestyle can be seen. Okay? That's why the Bible tells us of a man, the Bible says he was wise to the extent that he would call the whole city, sit the city down and begin to tell them how they were going to survive an attack that had come against that country, against that kingdom. But then the Bible says he was broke. And what happened is the moment that everybody survived that attack and they came out of it, the Bible says they forgot him because he was not rich. If you want people never to, to, to forget you, be rich. I've noticed something. Let me tell you something. Maybe let's remove wealth for now. There are certain things that make you loved. It could be the little things that you do. 
but they are all in a dimension of wealth and riches. I have I've had times when, I remember this one time, not very far from today, I was in ShopRite, I was buying something, after I got something, I went out. And then this, this, this uh, you know this, the, the people who operate the till, she was just so rude, she was so tired. I felt sorry for her, I wondered how much they are paying her. So, after she calculated everything, she calculated everything, she gave me the change. Then I took it and I gave it to her. Suddenly she changed. She got my things. She packed them nicely. She asked if there was anything else. And she wished me a nice day. I know someone lied to you, dear daughter, that money cannot buy happiness. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> you were told that money cannot buy happiness. Try being broke. <laughs> I've rarely met people who are broke and happy. Tell me, when you meet people on the street begging, how many of them are excited? They're just like today. I'll beg. I'm excited to beg today. Come on, somebody. Nipempako. No one who is broke is happy. There's a reason why the Bible says, money answereth all things. The only thing you will need to know about money is that it's a very good servant, but a bad master. You must rule over it. It must not control you, take you to where it wants. And remember, as I, was, as I have always told you in this church, that money must be in your hand and not in your heart. Because if it has to, even if God wants to remove it from your heart, he has to go for surgery with you first. With all the angels, they are wearing surgery uh, regalia and then cut you. So there's going to be casualties, there's going to be complaints, there's going to be news. There's just going to be everything happening. Somebody said, amen. amen. And so what the point we are making is that wisdom, the, the word of God must dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And so having gone through and explained what I've explained, what we can then conclude is that the word of God must firstly dwell in us in all wisdom. That means by the expression of our lives. It has to reach a place where even though we are not talking to people, even though we are not preaching to them, even though we are not telling them we go to the household of faith church, they can look at you and they can say there's something spiritual about you. That is a kind of situation that we see in the book of, uh, you know, Acts chapter number 4, verse, verse, verse uh, 13. When they looked at Paul and they looked at John and the apostles and they said, these guys have never been to school. How are they able to express themselves? Then after they conferred among, uh, 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 you know, among one another, then they realized they have been with Jesus. They have been with the word and Jesus Christ is a living word. Jesus Christ is a walking word. So they had been with Jesus because it's the same issue they had in John chapter 7 verse 15 when they looked at Jesus and they realized that this guy has not been educated, how come he's able to talk about the law and teach us the things pertaining to the Torah and then explain them in a very authoritative way? They couldn't understand him, but what they don't know was that was the word expressing himself. And so we are only wise to the extent that we leave the things that we believe in pertaining to the word of God. And this is why there is a serious fight on the word. Because imagine if you become the manifestation of the word. That is the end goal 
of the teaching of the word of God is to make you the word, is to make you a walking Bible. There are some people who have not, have not yet read the Bible. They are waiting to read it by your life. When they look at how you talk, they want to talk like you because everything you say is accurate. When they look at what you post, they want to post like you because they just feel refreshed. Have you ever seen some people when you see what they post, you just feel refreshed. Then there are people when they are talking, when they are posting, it's always something sad has happened. It's always this government. It's always these girls. Don't be too excited. They will say you post your baby. Don't be too excited to post. There are witches out there. They are always negative. They look like they are on a number line. So when you are watching them, <laughs> when you are watching them, there's no, they, they, they are a drain. <laughs> these are the ones we call children's of God. Because they are there in God to chew from him and drain him. <laughs> but you can't drain God. Hallelujah. Are you a child or you are part of the children's? <laughs> Which part are you? Look at your neighbor without judging them. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't judge. Don't judge. But I hope your look has ministered to them. Somebody say, I am following. And so when we go over there to the Bible in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible now tells us something very important. It tells us that we have become. It says, you are the living epistles. That's what I mean, that we have to become. The reason why there is a battle over the word of God that you listen to, over the precepts, over the statutes, over the commands and the laws of God that are being given to you, the reason why there is a fight is because of that. It's because Satan does not want you to become a living word. The way that the Lord Jesus Christ was a living word, he wrote to the, to the, to the, to the Corinthians and he told them, you are a living epistle. And then that living epistle has been written not on tables of clay, but on and tables of your spirit on your flesh, and they've been written by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and we are the ones who ministered that writing to you as we preach to you. So every time that we are releasing the word on behalf of the Holy Spirit, we are giving him an opportunity, and we are giving you an opportunity to be a written word so that you become a living word, so that you can reflect the Lord Jesus. The idea of the teaching of the word is not so that I can just bless you and I pray for you and you go out. Uh, it's not just so that you can have a source of wisdom. It's not just so that, you know, you can feel nice. It is so that you can become the things that you hear. That is the highest level and desire of God, so that you can become what you hear. Look at that. He says, you are the living epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Can you imagine reading a person? That means if people want to understand wisdom, they come and read your life. If people want to understand proper prosperity, they sit down and they read your life. That is the end goal. Christians, you know, sometimes Christians, all they want, how do you, how do you explain? How do you explain? Some people were believing God to be sold as slaves in countries so that they could take the gospel. To them, that was breakthrough. Meanwhile, you, you want a dress. There are people who are believing God to have the grace to be able to sell big buildings so that they can push the gospel to Afghanistan. 
Meanwhile, you, you are saying, Lord, my exam. The problem is sometimes our understanding of breakthrough in this generation is very materialistic. It's all about the things you can touch. Sometimes by the prayer requests that are on your list, those are the ones which tell you how much of a man of the flesh you are. When we look at the prayer requests that you have, house, money, marriage, all those things now begin to... Just think of your prayer request. What's your number one prayer request? You will have to reach a place where you, ask, you begin asking God, Lord, what are your prayer requests? What things do you want to be done? <laughs> he says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Let's go. Oh, it was not 16, it was verse 3. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tables of flesh. That is of the heart. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, I'm a walking epistle. I'm a walking. Somebody say, I'm a living epistle. Now imagine, imagine where you reach a place where you become the manifestation of the word of God. It means you'll be walking like this. You are a chima walking wisdom. <laughs> when people want healing, you are a walking healing. When the people look at you, you remind them of some scripture they are reading about. You stand like this and you are saying, you know, Sister Betty, God is good. And Sister Betty is reminded of some chapter something. Because you are a walking Bible. The idea is that by the Spirit, as we teach you, you can become the things we discuss. Not to receive the things that the things that we discuss are able to bring, but so that you can be those things. Have you seen? Take me to John chapter 7 verse 15. That you may become those things. Not so that you can receive of those things. Uh, in the spirit, when they look at you, <coughs> there is a, um, look, in the spirit, what determines the extent of the world you are is the amount of light that is seen upon you in the spirit. Because the Bible says, the entrance of thy word bringeth light. So the more light of the word that you receive, the more that you begin becoming like the light that you are receiving. And the Bible says, God dwells in inapproachable light. God is light. And you know, you begin now attracting God as a household because you look like where he stays. So when he comes on the earth realm, he's comfortable to live in you. There are many people who are houses of God, but few are homes. I can show you that because the Bible says, over there, and they marveled saying, how does this man know the letters he has never studied? He didn't need to study because he was the walking letter himself. Jesus was the walking letter himself. Hallelujah. So what the, what, what, what the aim of the gospel is, is to bring it to that place where you become the walking word. God is good. Somebody say God is good. Are you migrating to that place? So God wants you to be a home to him because when you read John chapter 14, give me verse 23. 
John chapter 14, verse 23, tells us something interesting. The Lord Jesus Christ says the, follow, the following words. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. What will now happen? My father and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He didn't say our house. Context. Meaning God is very comfortable around you because you can discuss. Let me tell you something. When there's a place where you are discussing with the Spirit of God at the speed of revelation, and that's only dependent on the Word of God that is in your spirit. Let me give you an example. If you've ever studied law, there is a level where I can't discuss with the second year, sometimes even a fourth year. Because these are procedural issues you've not done. So you can know what a judicial, what a judicial review is, but you may not know exactly how to instigate it. There's a place when you are in seventh year of university, of medicine, you can't discuss, even if someone is the same age as you. You cannot discuss certain operations. You cannot discuss the, what's in the medical field. You cannot sit down and discuss those things because it's too technical for the person. Sometimes you can have an idea, you want to discuss certain things, but you look at the person, hell is no. <laughs> so all you can do is discuss football with them. But there's a certain level you cannot discuss with the person. But then there are fellow medical doctors. Some of them may be in the sixth year, but because they've done that part, you sit down and you begin discussing, no, this is how you conduct this procedure, this is the diagnosis, these are the things you need, these are the reagents you need, you are discussing, this is the medication, yeah, yeah, no, the problem with this is it, it is made of this, this is a side effect, okay, okay, no, but if you put this, no, sometimes you have to make sure, no, so you, you are discussing and you are in that realm. There is a conversation I cannot have with Shepard. When I'm having a conversation with Shepard, it's Babu Bagiga. <laughs> now, in as much as he's a human being, there are certain things we cannot share. So, you can find that my conversations with him, at most, are six minutes. <laughs> my wife has more patience. <laughs> but for me, once I tell him, ah, hey, good boy, mwah, 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 I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't sustain a conversation. There was a point like that where my father and I could not sustain a conversation. But now my father and I sit down and we're able to discuss revelation from one scripture to the other. And we're discussing dimensions and realms. And then as we're discussing, there's a glory we all begin to experience. In the same way, there is a place where there are certain things you can't discuss with God. And it will be uncomfortable for God to make a certain level of a home in you because of the amount of word which is in you. There are certain things he cannot discuss with you because you will not understand. There's a certain frequency of revelation in the spirit you cannot receive because you don't have his word. One time the Lord Jesus Christ was about to tell them deep things, then he says, I have so many things to tell you, 
but you are not able to receive them. And then he says, but when the Holy Spirit comes, <laughs> he will teach you all things. That means there were certain things that they could not understand that Jesus wanted to talk to them about. And some of those things, if they listened to them, those things were going to shift their lives. They were going to shift their lives. But because they were not exposed to that level of revelation, no, to that level of word first, they couldn't talk with him. So he went on and just started talking about other things. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So the aim is to build you up. Ephesians chapter number four. The aim of the word of God, the aim of the teaching of the ministers. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter number four, verse 11, that he gave different ministers of the, of the gospel. He gave some prophets, some teachers, some evangelists, some apostles, and some pastors. He says, their responsibility, I like the way the NLT puts it, their responsibility, he uses the word responsibility, my responsibility is to build you up so that you can grow to the stature of the Christ. To become like Jesus, to become like, that's why we are laboring to teach you the word because there's no way a person can grow to the stature of the Christ without the word. It is not the laying on of hands. It's not even an impartation of graces that can make you grow like Christ. It is the amount of light that comes by the word of God that builds you up to become something. It gives you a mindset. It, con it, it, it solidifies your convictions a certain way. The responsibility, the, the men of God, the Bible says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Are you being built up? No wonder there is a serious fight against the word of God that you listen to. <clears throat> now, when you study the, 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 the initial scripture that we are reading, you discover that when the Bible is talking to describe the influences of the enemy, it uses metaphors and it uses dark sentences. By dark sen sentences, I mean things that are hidden. For example, the Bible says, the birds came and took away. He didn't say a demonic spirit from the left side of hell. So he won't tell you, although it may have been that, but he will use, he will, he will use coded language. He will say birds came so that you can relate. Now, what are those birds? But when he's interpreting it, he now tells us that the ones who receive the word of God and do not understand it are the ones who receive the word of God uh, um, in the wayside. If you receive the word of God and you do not understand it, the Bible says the enemy, the wicked one, comes. That means as we are in church here, the wicked one is waiting outside, waiting for those who are not paying attention. The word of God is being taught you on WhatsApp. The word of God is being taught you are thinking about the exam. The word of God is being taught you are taken away by your crush. The word of God is being taught you are thinking about your heartbreak. The word of God is being taught. So what now begins to happen is because you do not understand it, he will steal it. Because he knows that's the most valuable thing you have in life. The most valuable thing you have in life is not the money or the job that you have. The most valuable thing you have in life is the word. Because the word is a building block for your life. So once you lose that word, then there's nothing that you can build. You see, the technology of manifestation is anchored on two things in the spirit. Number one, the word of God, because the Bible says, and the word became flesh. 
So everything that is in the spirit, it is by the word that they become flesh. That's why the Bible says, and God said, let there be light, and light was. So the code for manifestation, the first code for seeing the things that you want to see in the flesh is in the word of God. This is why Satan is not coming to take away the things that you have because he knows that those things are a mere fruit of the word that was in you. By the way, the word word in the Greek comes from a word logos, which means the thought and the manner of expression. That means the word of God also gives you a mindset and a thought structure which is of God. And when you have that kind of neural pathway, then the expression of your life is according to the design of heaven. So every time you are thinking, you are thinking the thoughts of God. And every time you are walking, you are walking the thoughts of God. The Bible says the steps of the just are ordered of the Lord. You can find the reason why you lifted the left leg and not the right one to start is because God ordered you. Because he knew that if you lifted the wrong one, you are going to step on a time bomb. So literally, even your own feet, the way you walk, you see, when we say you are becoming the manifestation of the word of God. I was telling you last time that when it comes to prayer, you will find that <laughs> there are some people who pray. You have become a prayer yourself. You are walking like this, you feel the thing come on you, you are going like this. People don't know, but you are a prayer. <laughs> Something has shifted about you. You have become the things that you believe in. Let me tell you this. <laughs> Let me, maybe let, me, let me help you understand. The way that demonic spirits operate is that they can give you their shape and their form and the nature of their life. Do you remember when Jesus Christ was praying for a woman who had been bowed over for 18 years? On a Sabbath, they said, they said, this woman cannot be healed on a Sabbath. Then Jesus said, why should we not heal on a Sabbath a woman who is a child of Abraham's who has been bound by Satan these past 18 years? Now that woman was bowed over. So that sickness, that kind of spondylosis was not caused by physical happenings or mishappenings. That kind of sickness was caused by an evil spirit. And Jesus cast out the evil spirit and the woman was able to stand. That means the, that evil spirit had lived so much in that woman that she began to take the shape of the spirit. I'm a deliverance minister. I know what I'm talking about. Isn't it? Haven't you ever noticed how things like viruses work? Who taught the virus? Who gave the virus intelligence to enter a cell destroy all the DNA of the cell, reconfigure it and command it to begin creating the DNA. It begins replicating the DNA of the virus and then to burst the cell and produce many viruses to go out and attack other cells. Who gave the virus that wisdom? Can't you see that some of these things are demonic? There's something wrong. <laughs> you have to study nature sometimes to understand. You study germs. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen the... the that virus that causes flu, the way it looks and how it works exactly. Who gave it that wisdom? It's a very small thing, but who inspires that wisdom in it? That's why you must never accept sickness as of God. 
The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Brothers and sisters, sickness is not from God. That's why we pray against it. If God gave you a sickness, then we should not pray for you because we are being disobedient. One woman was saying, no, this sickness I have is probably from God so that he can keep me humble. Then this funny man of God came and said, all right, let me pray for you. Father, increase the sickness so that the humility may increase because the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. Then she said, no, 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 no. Let me be honest with you. Sickness is not the plan of God for your life. Because when you are sick, you are cranky, you can't work, you can't do anything. That already in itself is a testimony that it is not of God. Because the Bible says Jesus Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's why you must always desire and look towards being healthy. Because it is the will of God for you. The same way no one being broke is not the will of God. Some people think because they are poor they are going to heaven. You can be broke and go to hell. Because it is not poverty that guarantees righteousness at all, at all. It is faith. It is our faith in Jesus that guarantees righteousness. Are you following me? You need to know that sickness is not... You know why you need to know this? Because if you do not... If you look to God as the source of your problem, it means you cannot look to him as the source of your solution. If you think your lecturer is the one who's causing you to fail an exam and he hates you because maybe you rejected him when he wanted to sleep with you, you can't go back to him and say, make me pass. You can't look for a solution. He has to sleep with you. You can't look for a solution from your problem. So the reason why we look for healing and we release it is because we know this is not the will of God. That's why we stand against it in faith and prayer. That's why we also take medication because we don't like it. And you need to know that. You need to know that. That's why the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. Jesus Christ purchased your healing. You don't have to stay sick. The Lord Jesus purchased your healing. You don't have to stay sick. He purchased it. By his stripes we were healed. Somebody was literally beaten. He bought your healing. What you do is, Father, I thank you. I receive my healing in the name of Jesus. You begin confessing it like that. Are you following me? And so, you, you begin noticing that there's a way that the word of God paints powers of darkness. For example, the Bible says, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. He calls them snakes and scorpions so that you can relate with them. But meanwhile, you find in the spirit there are actual demonic forces. Some of them look like serpents. Some of them look like scorpions. And some of them look like a combination of both. They are so, evil spirits are so ugly. And if you want to see them, just go to hell, stop paying attention to what we're telling you. <laughs> they are so ugly. They put the G in the ugly. I mean, they are, oh my goodness, Lord. They are hideous creatures. Some of you have seen strange things in your sleep, right? But like, oh no, I saw a dog with five heads. <laughs> you saw a demon sis. <laughs> it was not a dog with five heads. You look, you look in the past, you did, not, you did not watch any animation like that. <laughs> you know you had the visitation. 
Haleluya. Cause them snakes and scorpions. Paul also says outside are dogs. Outside the house says they are dogs. He's trying to show you powers. So what I'm, the point I'm making is that there are powers which are responsible for stealing the word. The Bible says the wicked one comes to steal the word. So the first dimension of warfare is the war against the word that has been sown in your life. And I, I, I told you, listen to it, it's very important. The reason why there is a fight is so that you do not, number one, receive the things that can be given by your exposure to the word, and number two, highest level of fight, so that you do not become the word. So the same way that an evil spirit can force you to take its shape is the same way that the word of God can lift you to take its shape. I was saying that to help you understand. So the same way that an evil spirit can force someone to begin looking like it is the same way that the word of God can pull you to a place where you begin looking at it. Like it, rather. Hey, I thought that's better news. You can respond better. Imagine you, be, you begin looking like the scripture. I was so tormented by evil spirit that I looked like sleeplessness itself. I couldn't sleep, and then for me, my bad dreams were so bad that I would know sometimes that I'm having a bad dream, and it won't end until they finish tormenting me in my dreams. So when someone tells me, I had a bad dream, <laughs> I'm like, okay. I? What was happening? Someone was laughing at me. <laughs> okay, let's not compete in bad things anyway. <laughs> let's not compete in bad things. All I'm just trying to tell you, and I know I'm not the one who's got the worst experiences. I know there are some of you you've just not shared. But what I'm trying to say is, I was there. But there are certain scriptures when the Spirit of God began to put them on my heart so that I could learn and get out of my predicament. They became so one with me that at some point I believed if you cut me, Luke 10 verse 19 would flow out because I began taking its shape. I began looking like it. Hallelujah. Hey, some of you are going to start looking like certain scriptures. Amen. Hallelujah. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So when you're looking at you, you're walking, you look like power, love, sound mind, mashed together, bundled up, and going somewhere to happen. Hallelujah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When people look at you, you always look like you're praying. That's the first stage. You look like you are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hallelujah. And then afterwards, you graduate to all these things shall be added unto you. You know, you know how people look at you and say, you look like a girl I knew. When they look at you now, they'll be like, you look like a scripture I read. Because it seems everything is being added unto you. Everything is being added unto you. Hallelujah. And sometimes people look at you and you remind them of a scripture which says, God gives grace to the humble. When they look at you, they just see you rising. They can't, they, they can't say you are proud. They have seen your humility. So they have seen their liftings as a result of, of your humility. Hallelujah! You begin becoming the word. What scriptures are, can you say, I look like this one? That's why the Bible says, as we behold the word of God as in a mirror, we are being transformed into the same image. The highest purpose of the word of God is so that we can begin looking like it. That sometimes men do not have to read the Bible. They just have to walk with you between here and there. 
And before they know it, the whole New Testament has been summarized. Somebody say, I'm a walking word. That's, how, that's the will of God for you. That's the ultimate purpose of the word of God. It's not just to give you things. It's to make you like it. Because it means you've now become the factory of things. When people want to prosper a certain way, they just have to associate with you. They know before two weeks ends, that letter will come. Because you look like the scripture that says, before they call, I will answer. So before they go to, they just have to come to you and they know that their prayers are going to be answered. Because not only are you getting from the word of God, you have become the word of God. What I'm teaching you is not heresy. What I'm teaching you is the will of the spirit of God. The will of the spirit of God. The will of the spirit of God. That's why he's there, to carve you, to work on you, to shift you. You see, the purpose of the word of God is indoctrination. And what indoctrination does is when it is expressed and taught properly, it gives you the mindset of the things that you have been exposed to. That's why when people have been indoctrinated, people say they are brainwashed. Because it means there's a way they can't think. There's a mindset that they have developed because of the things that they have received. And imagine, imagine, some of them have received the wrongest of things. But you reach a place where you are indoctrinated by the revelation of the word of God. Mm, That is the will of God for your life, that you become the expression of the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so... That is the first dimension of warfare. In this dimension of warfare, spirits are assigned to fight everything you listen to. Do you now see why I insist you must come with a pen and a paper? So that you can write what you are learning. You must write what you are learning. Because you are not that intelligent. And I'm I'm not saying this to insult you. But look, let me tell you something. You, we human beings are not that apt that we'll just listen to something and never forget it. Sometimes you are being familiar. That's why you're not taking notes. You are used. And some of you, you only know that when you get married and you leave this place. That's when you miss it. You begin looking for the word like a, you know, like a diapante for the war has so my So, Brooks, wrong as after. You will look for the word. And when you come here, I will chase you. (laughs) So, (laughs) you need to pay attention to what you are listening to. You need to write down. Hebrews chapter 2 says, let us pay attention to everything that we have heard, lest the things slip us by. And sometimes the best way to pay attention is to write the things down. At least even on your phone, write the things down. People are so broke, they can't even pay attention. But when they're in class, they'll be there writing. They'll write everything. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a hypocrisy in itself. Eh? You find when a person is in class, they're writing. Oh, but, but, repeat, repeat, teacher, repeat. Okay, why don't you write here? Why? No, I want you, forget that I'm, I'm shouting at you. 
Let's just talk nicely. Why don't you write? I don't know. That's how you will not know how you be, the, the world will be stolen from you. You will not know. I don't know. I just can't keep money. I can do everything. You didn't pay attention to the word. Let me tell you something about the word. The word is sensitive. The Bible says in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, when we came to you, you received the word which we gave you, not as the word of mere men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which exercises its superhuman strength in you. That means the manifestations that we are having, which is the superhuman strength of the word of God in the Thessalonian church, was as a result of the attention that they gave to it. Then you start looking at your friends, oh, they are just graced. No. How come you don't have the same grace you are in the same church? You are not paying attention. You must pay attention. You must write down. You must give the word of God reverence. Because when we are communicating the word of God, the word of God has got the intelligence of a personality. That's why the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt. So the word is given a human pronoun, a pronoun, a him, a he. So it's got an intelligence when it comes to your ears. It notices you've got no reverence. It leaves. It goes elsewhere. And sometimes it's easy for the enemy to come and steal it away from you. That's why sometimes we are preaching so much, but things are not changing. You passed an exam because you studied what you wrote in class, but you are failing your exams of life because you can't remember what you heard. You are honest enough in your class to take down notes. Why are you being hypocritical here? It must stop. This is why we are not seeing, we are teaching deep things, but we are seeing shallow lives. It's an error. It must stop. <laughs> but don't you know that that will end just here? No, 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 no. I'm not an entertainer. You must change. First Corinthians chapter number nine, verse eleven. Huh? Now, people, you hear? No, but I prayed. You didn't pray correctly because you did not study what you were taught on how to pray. So the enemy boom, bounced on you. Nothing to show. You listen to very deep things, but you look at your life. Why? You must pay attention. Write down. Treat it as this is the moment of my growth. This is the moment of my glory. Haven't you ever met people like that? They just can't account for their lack of development. But they, they are always tormented. But the person has been listening to a mastery of warfare. Mastery of warfare. Imagine. We are on part eight. In truth, we are probably on part 16. Because there's part 8, B, C. So you find, but oh, your eyes, ah, well, look, there was wrapped by a witch in the night. Why didn't you slap back? <laughs> With all the teachings you received, you should have slapped back. He says, he came 
and store away. The first dimension is the theft. Paul says something interesting here. He says, if we have sown spiritual things in you, is it a great thing if we, repeat, if we reap your material, your material things? So Paul is talking to the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church never took care of him except for the other apostles. So he began saying, look, the way you have grow, you've grown spiritually is because, the way you've grown spiritually, the way you've prospered outside is because we've been sowing in you material, the, the, the spiritual things, the spiritual seed. Every time we preach to you the word of God, we are sowing in you spiritual seed. Now the purpose of spiritual seed is so that it can yield a physical harvest. Part of it is that it must yield a physical harvest. That means if we say you are blessed, you go out, you must get the job. Because we said it. If we give you wisdom for marriage, your marriage must work. Because we sowed among you spiritual seed. But why is it that the seed we are planting is not yielding fruit? You are not paying attention. So the enemy comes to steal. That's the first dimension of warfare. A spirit comes to steal. Specifically to frustrate the word of God. This is where you find principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. All those powers which are mentioned in Ephesians 6. All those are found in the first dimension of warfare. Where they come to steal the word. And mostly they are riding on your lack of reverence for it. Because the Bible has already told you why they steal. That's why I'm emphasizing. They are riding on your carelessness. You are careless. When you are listening, you are careless. You are careless. You are careless and you must stop it. Because your life will show. If you are feeling rebuked, it's a sign that you are in the right place. It's a sign that you're in the right place. Okay, the things I've told you, are they not honest things? Uh, I love you. It's your own issue if you're upset. They come to steal. Imagine, an evil spirit is coming. He notices you've got a keyboard. He's not interested in your phone. He wants the word. And sometimes there's even nothing to steal. There's a joke I watched where some thieves went into someone's house to steal. When they reached there, they checked. They just found the person crying. Are you weird that you've got money? Please, where is it? He also started searching for the money. So the thieves felt sorry for him. They comforted him and they gave him some seed so that at least he can sow something so that they can come and steal when they come back. The enemy comes and he finds there's nothing to steal. <laughs> Somebody say, That's not me. Okay, how many memory verses do you know? Or oh, they are for children. You, you've become an adult of God. Huh? <laughs> you become an adult of God. You are grown up in the flesh. <laughs> I don't know why I'm enjoying this. 
<laughs> Praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. Praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. I love, I love Jesus. You love, you love Jesus. We love, we love our master. Praise God. You've learned. Let's go. Praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. Inspection. Praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. I love, I love Jesus. You love. We love, we love our master. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I love, I love Jesus. You love, you love Jesus. We love, we love our master. Praise God. Amen. I love. I love Jesus. We love our master. Praise God. Amen. Let me tell you a mystery. When we get to heaven, we'll be studying the word of God. The first time I learned of this was my grandmother. My grandmother said when God took her to heaven, she was saved. When the Lord took her to heaven, she went into a room, and there were many people, and they were reading the scriptures. They were reading the scriptures. They were still studying God. Because God is a mystery even in heaven. So in case you think when you go there you will know God, where you ended is where you start from. It's not everyone you'll be able to sit with, hey, Po! <laughs> like Ngoni or Zulu. <laughs> You'll be loving shoulders. No. You will go in the car that you belong to. Nicely. We study God. There are libraries in heaven. And the knowledge of God there is still precious. And even there, our knowledge of God increases. Can you imagine? The elders, the 24 elders... And the angels, they worship God day and night because every time they learn something new about him. Then you can't know a few scriptures because you've grown. Those are for, they are for adults. <laughs> I won't say what you are. <laughs> but you need to change. Hallelujah. So that's the first level of warfare. The second level of warfare, which is very important, which I want to talk to you about. The Bible tells us. Mm. Let's just read it. The Bible says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Earth is always 
symbolic of a person. Because you are made of earth. So he's basically trying to talk about how deep the word of God penetrated in you. The first level of the earth of the person into which the word of God goes is the ear. The second dimension is called the soul. Then the third dimension is called the spirit. The word of God must travel throughout from your ears or your body. It must go in your mind, then it must settle in your heart. And then he says, in interpreting it, he says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy because it's sounding nice. Remember the first dimension of earth, ears. It's sounding nice. You're excited. Woo, the way pastor said about relationships, huh? that, that man is deep. You know, so you listen to it and you are excited because of how nice, nice it sounds. But it does not travel deep into you. The word of God has come in that it has ended on your ear. So in this next level of warfare, you are your own enemy. One of the greatest battles that every man has to fight is a battle against himself. And you must win that battle. I have seen men defeat the enemy. I've seen men fight with God like Jacob and, and, and win, except themselves. They have failed to defeat themselves. It's a level of warfare. Look at that. He who receives the seed on stony places. Haven't you ever noticed that when the word stony hearts is being referred to, it's referring to people? It's not talking about demons there. He says, he says, he says I'll remove your heart of stone. Ezekiel chapter, chapter 36, verse 26. I'll remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. He's not talking about deliverance. He's talking about transforming your heart, reconfiguring it. There are people who are stone-hearted. Look at that. He says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I'll give you a soft heart, a heart of flesh, which is able to bend to the leadings of the Spirit and the dictates of God. Are you seeing that? So, he goes on to say, but he who received the, word, the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution rises, because of the word, he immediately stumbles. Let me explain this. Such a person is a person like Esau. Esau had received a word that he is, he is a firstborn and he is entitled to the blessing and not Jacob. You need to follow me here. He received that word and he was supposed to be the inheritor of the blessing of Abraham. He was supposed to be the boss of that blessing. But, 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 but Esau was profane and he had a stony heart. So although the word of God came to him, it only ended in his ear. It did not go deep into his soul and it did not penetrate into his spirit. I can tell you this because of this. You see, how you know that the word of God has penetrated not only in your ear but has gone into your soul, deep into your spirit, is number one, you begin to meditate on it. You go, you are thinking about it. And as you are thinking about it, you are praying it. 
You are praying that word which has received. You are confessing it. It means it is digging deeper into you. When you are constantly thinking about the word of God, it begins to reshape the kind of mindset that you have. But as you continue meditating on the word day and night, it now begins to spare the quality of your spirit because it has gone deep into you now. That is what makes people not fall. Because what is outside is no longer moving them. Their convictions are too deep inside based on the word of God. Their convictions have been built on solid ground. If you don't meditate on the word of God, if you're not obsessed with it, if you don't sit down and say, "Mm, okay, that scripture which pastor quoted, there's something it did to me. If you don't have friendships you can sit down with and discuss the word of God, it means that everything you hear only lands in the first dimension of earth, which is it only ends in your ears. And these are the ones who shout sometimes the loudest, let's go. They... Now, I'm not saying you should stop doing that. <laughs> what I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is that <clears throat> the word of God must travel from the lowest level of earth deep into the deepest level of earth, which is the heart. Are you listening to me? So Esau was profane. The word, I know, because he says, when persecution comes on account of the word, that means when the word you've received is challenged, it easily falls off. So, because Esau did not meditate on that word and it not got deep into his heart, he did not seek meaning. You know, he says, the, in, the first, in the first level of warfare, he says, they receive the word of God, but because they do not understand it. It's one thing to receive knowledge. It's another thing to receive understanding of that knowledge you've received. Understanding is the next level. That means you consult books. You ask your seniors. You go and read other books. You look at the internet. You go to YouTube. Then you get a wide understanding. Now you can apply the concepts that you took of knowledge very meticulously and correctly. And that is a function of understanding. So he did not sit down to think. Me being the firstborn means I've got the blessing of Abraham. It means the earth belongs to me. It means I don't lack anything. So when he told him, when the young brother told him, "Eh, okay, give me your birthright, he was like, I can give it to you. You think we'll eat birthright? Now, like the birthright, that's how he ate his destiny because he lacked understanding. He was devoid. The word he received, he did not understand it. It did not go deep into his spirit. It remained in his ears. He knew about it. They told him, you are the firstborn. It means you inherit anything. He said, okay. He would just go and hunt and you do anything he want. It never, have you ever sat down to say, Lord, you've made me a king and a priest. Then you sit down and, like this and you say, who is a king? It means the word you've received is now traveling from your ear. It's going into your mind now. It's traveling. He said, who is a king? Mm, A king is a person who has got a specific environment, and in that environment, he exercises his dominion. Do I have an environment I exercise dominion in? No, this must change. You'll find an environment. Everywhere you go, you now begin expecting that things might change. As you are going, you are reading about kings. Some of the kings are earthly. Some of the kings, it's a spiritual concept. You are meditating on it. You are walking like this. I am blessed. I'm favored. I can, because the Bible says it. It means it is traveling from your ear. It is now going into your mind. It's going into your soul. Are you listening to me? 
Esau never did that. The word of God never traveled to his ears. So what happened is when, when Jacob simply shook it off his ears, it fell off. And that's how he lost a precious inheritance. No root. The word of God has no root. There is, sometimes the reason some of you have no manifestation of the words you hear is because they've not built root in you. So they can easily be shaken. So the second dimension of warfare, you are your enemy there. That's the second dimension where you are fighting yourself. There's an interesting scripture that I want to share with you. Second highest. This matter of fact, let me tell you this before we go there. This is the highest level of warfare. This one. <laughs> Did you know that? The self. Okay, let's study the life of Jesus. How many demons did he struggle to cast to cast out? Where did you ever see Jesus Christ casting out a demon and his sweat was like great drops of blood? Talk to me. But when he was dealing with himself, he was trying to make sure his will is conformed to the will of the Father. It was, it was let me tell you, he struggled with the thing. He said, no, I can't die like that. I don't. <laughs> then the Spirit of God would tell him, it's your destiny. <laughs> then he said, okay, Holy Spirit, let me pray about it. As he begins praying about it, he now starts seeing the prophecies of, of Isaiah. He goes to Jeremiah. He goes to Micah. Ah, no, 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 no. He said, no, I'm not dying like this. He looks at his angels. There are 12,000 religions that he can go about. Kai. <laughs> he looks at weak men. They're about to kill him. And his greatest struggle was to be separated from the presence of God. Ah, he went to pray. The Bible says as he prayed, that as he, was, he was dealing with himself. He was dealing with himself. He was, he was fighting his own will to submit it to the will of the Father so that it may be according as it has been written about him. You find that your greatest enemy is not the demon you are fighting. You find that the greatest enemy is not God. The greatest enemy is not even the next dimension of warfare, which I'll share with you next week. But you find that the greatest dimension of warfare is yourself. Listen, there is a level of enmity in every man and it lies in free will. You can find a very pure being who has never fallen or who has never seen before. There's still a chance of them falling. This is why if you looked at Adam, you would never think he would fall because he was the spelling of righteousness. But because he had a free will, the enemy would now harness and manipulate and capitalize on that and see if he could cause him to go against his own will and then disobey God. This is the same trick he was using to try to bring Jesus down. Jesus was without sin. So what the enemy now does is he begins looking for the things you like. And some of those things may not even be sinful. He begins observing your heart. He looked at Eve. She was jumpy. She liked touching fruits. And then he knew that I could use that to mislead her out of the will of God. Sometimes it could be the things that you love. And he can use those things to move you away of the kingdom of God. She loved roses and gardens and beautiful trees. And he knew that's my chance. That's my chance. So when the enemy comes, you must be so submitted to God within yourself 
Let me show you something. Get, go to the book of John, chapter 14. We'll be concluding. John, chapter 14. I love this. Give me John, chapter 14, verse 30, Amplified Classic. Praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. <clears throat> Praise God, hallelujah. Praise God, amen. I love, I love Jesus. You love, you love. We love, we love our master. Praise God. Amen. Now, look at this. I will not talk with you much more. For the prince of this world, because him the evil genius, the ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. And he explains it. He says, he has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. The reason why the enemy or princes of darkness, the reason why they are not going to have power over you is because, is, is because you've got nothing that belongs to them in you. I'll prove it. An evil spirit, some of you are afraid. The, the, if you want to deal with an evil spirit, deal with your heart first. Correct your heart. How princes of darkness work is that they will look, I told you last time, when a prince is coming, these are specific. Most of these others, the powers of darkness, the, 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 the evil spirits, the demons, they are just a result of a person who has already been overcome by demonic princes. What a demonic prince will do is when it comes, it will look for people who have been given authority over an area of your fa or your family. They are living right, they are doing fine. Then you say, okay, good. Then what that spirit will do is it will now go in the past and check, okay, Abraham lied, Isaac lied. All I have to do is provide enough <laughs> enough chances for Jacob to lie because it's already within their weakness to lie. So he'll go back, he'll check. He'll check, okay, Abraham, Abraham loved beautiful women. Isaac loved beautiful women. Even Jacob, I just have to find a beautiful woman. That's why the Bible, the Bible says of Esau that he married a foreigner. Two, one of them was named Judith and the other one. He, and then they caused hell for the parents. All he needed to do, the, the, that prince, is to notice the things they like. So he will study their hearts from time past. And then he will bring that thing and shove it in your face. Now you have, oh Lord. You have to fight it. It's not an attack necessarily. He's trying to bend your will towards disobedience. Check especially the things that make you disobedient. You can find those things have been there from time past. So what that, what, that, what that demonic prince will do is he will look for something in common in your, in your, in your bloodline. So sometimes he will notice, have you seen, I told you last time, he will notice that there was a lustful thing. They loved things, nice things in the family. So what he will do is, the way that those hawkers do in the road, where they are selling something, so what they will do is they will be observing you. The moment you, as you are driving along Cairo, the moment you look at it, they will follow you. Ah, Sister Gulani, you need to buy this one. I give you. You will say, oh, no, I don't have. No, okay, give me a 45. Okay, give me a 30. Okay, my sister, and pass it in. Until you buy. Because they know you lasted for it when you looked. You desired it when you gazed upon it. So they will just make sure they constantly show it in your eyes. So if it's like a girl, they'll always be bringing her. 
on this WhatsApp DP, they are celebrating her. You go on Facebook, you find her. You go to, to church, you just want to pay attention to the Lord. She's in the ushering department. So, <laughs> you find before you know it, grigidi. But then Jesus Christ said, he has nothing in common with me. The first temptation that he tried to do was to cause a hunger in Jesus for things. He said, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Hunger. Hunger. You shouldn't like eating too much because he knew in their lineage, this is how, es this is how Adam fell. He fell by eating. This is how Esau fell. He fell by eating. So he knew when he studied the line, he knew the first temptation I have to do that's why you see the Bible says, Jesus, many times you read about Jesus, you find, boom, he was at a Pharisee's house eating supper. <laughs> they never had a problem. His first miracle was at a wedding. <laughs> no, listen, I'm telling you scriptures. The Bible says John was not eating and drinking me. I, they, he knew. So what the prince of darkness... That's what Jesus said. He said, John came eating and drinking. You said he was possessed. Me. John was not eating and drinking. You said he was possessed. Me. I came eating and drinking. Even he knew. One time he called himself, I'm the bread of life. <laughs> Don't tell him I said it. So, anyways. So he knew. The enemy knew that the first temptation I have to do is to move his heart towards the things he loves. But so don't think, sometimes when you're reading it, you think it was a straightforward situation. No. <laughs> he desired that thing. Jesus said, Guy, Guy. <laughs> man. Okay, Satana would carry. But anyways, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil was in shock. He didn't expect it to work. He didn't expect it to fail, rather. Then he says, ha, ah, okay. When you look at Jesus' history also, they love wealth. He's born from David. Solomon was rich, all the other kings. So he said, okay, I'll move him towards wealth says, just worship me. If you worship me, I'll give you everything. That's how princes work. That's why when you see, if you study history, when they were getting lands for Menelo Bengula, and they, were, and they were getting from the kings, the way that they were getting those is by, they would tell them, we'll give you wine, guns, and gunpowder, and we'll give you books in exchange for God. But what they never knew is that they were getting their lands. They will negotiate with your appetites. There are some of you who love entertainment beyond prayer. So the, what the prince of darkness will do, he'll tell you, it's not like you're going to sin. You'll just be watching a movie. And then it's new, it has just come out. Maybe it's by Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the prince of darkness knows. Your father loved these things. He was in the movie industry. I hope Shepard will come hear this. So he'll tell him, only, the only thing you need to do is sit down and relax. Meanwhile, because he's not praying, someone dies. His contract fails, and these things begin to go wrong. 
He says, the prince of this world comes, but Jesus defeated him before. So he said, he has nothing in me. So what is in you that gives a prince of darkness access? When you read over there in the book of John chapter number 12, Jesus Christ is about to be anointed at Bethany by Mary. But then when, she was, when he was about to be anointed, Judas Iscariot stood and he said, wait, I have asked. Why don't we take this and give it to the poor? Jesus was looking at him like this. Finish line, finish. The Bible clearly tells us, Judas, because he said, we would have used this money on the poor. But the Bible clearly tells us, Jesus said, Judas was lying. So if you are a liar, you're likely to be the next one. He will be likely to be a thief. Because these are twins. So if you lie, it's just a matter of the opportunity. You will steal. Judas, oh, your Judas, show us. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii, a year's wage for an ordinary workman, and the money given to the poor, the destitute? Look at the next one. The Bible says, now, he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the bag, the money box, the press of the twelve, he took for himself what was put into pilfering the collections. In other words, he used to steal. So the only reason he said that was, ah, this woman. In other words, he was trying to push, can you give me to go and sell? I've got samples, I've got plugs, Lord Jesus. I will sell. He knew he would steal something, buy a land somewhere, push a project. He used to steal. He used to steal. Look at that. He took for himself what was put there. It was a habit. He used to do it. No wonder. Give me Luke chapter 22. No wonder the Bible says this of him. It helps you understand this scripture. Luke chapter 22. Verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. Let's go. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill Jesus for, the pe- for, they, for they feared the people. Let's go. Listen, when the, chief, when, when the enemy, the devil, noticed that the chief priests are planning and he wanted to help them kill Jesus, he went to among the two apostles. He looked at all of them. Look at what the Bible says. Then Satan entered Judas. <laughs> it's the first time when you're reading the Bible when Satan entered someone. Why not John? Why not Bartholomew? Why Judas? He, it's like he went and calculated that prince was looking for something in each of them. And as he was doing that radar search, he finally found it in Judas. Judas loved money. And he accorded Judas an opportunity to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Judas was going to make a kasanting. He was a businessman. Have you ever had friends who are always doing this ka business, this ka business, 99 jobs? They are the most likely to be tempted like that. Satan entered. Satan will enter someone and offer you an opportunity you can't deny. Then afterwards, you will find you have to sell your leg. <laughs> So the prince of darkness is normally looking for something in a person. 
That's why Judas was used. And afterwards, when Judas noticed, I'm sure Judas thought, it's just a joke. I will sell Jesus and he will come out. Look at what he has done. One time they were trying to throw him over the cliff. He just turned away. He thought Jesus would just come out. Then I'll buy food, I'll eat, I'll buy a kalan somewhere. Then he noticed Jesus was not stopping them from killing him. Then he noticed Jesus was weak. He couldn't believe it. Jesus! Nothing was changing. They slapped Jesus, he fell. They hit him in the tummy, he fell. Jesus could... At that moment, Satan was now uncomfortable. Ah, he left him. He left him. Then now, he noticed he was alone. He now noticed, my goodness, I've betrayed an innocent man. But how did it come? The things that Judas loved. So the highest level of warfare, which gives access to the enemy... The things we love, our hearts, ourselves, we can be. This one is the highest level of warfare. I'm able to see. This is the highest level of warfare. Deal with yourself. Discipline yourself. Paul said, this is why I discipline my body. So that after preaching, you can preach, cast out demons, and still go to hell. Because your heart is not in the right place. Where is your heart, child of God? Let's stand. Next week we'll deal with the last one if the Lord allows, if nothing new comes up. That if something new comes up, we'll leave it, then uh, we'll see. I want you to begin to talk to the Lord in the next few minutes. Ask him, Lord, may my heart be in the right place. Give me the grace and the wisdom to direct my heart towards the correct path. That I may win the battle against myself. Begin to pray.